Fenrain is a big continent with four major countries. In today's episode, we're going to dig into the capital city of each of those countries. The Seven Towers stand tall over the city of Gilder. From their tops, you can see all the way across the slice to the spine in the west. And on clear days, the keen eyed can make out the chalky cliffs of Volk to the southeast. The towers and their tall walls that connect them circle the old city, home to Gilder University, the Iron Bastion, the Braun Palace Academy, and the Royal Palace, where the ever young prince resides. Prince Alfric took the throne in the year 292 ADW after his father Aesir was killed and has been ruling Gildland from the royal palace at Gilder for the past 350 years. The ever-young prince, as he is called across Fenrain, rarely leaves the palace and is seldom seen by the common people of Gildland. Once every seven years, during the month of Stonebison, the prince emerges from the palace to greet the people of his city. He always looks the same, waving from the balcony overlooking Steinhardt Square. Crowds of thousands converge on the city for the week-long celebration event, which most years coincides with St. Igmalion's Day. The Everyoung Prince's long reign is celebrated with parades, demonstrations by members of the Royal Guard and the Fellowship of the Seven Rivers, and a large party in the Royal Palace for the well-to-do of Fenrain. Gilder's Seven Towers were originally built as lighthouses to protect ships sailing among the sharp stones of the Slice. As the local waters became more and more well-mapped and portions even cleared of hazards, the towers became less and less useful. They fell into disrepair three centuries ago, but were recently restored. Finally finished three decades ago, the towers stand as a symbol of light and life in a world skirting dangerously close to the darkness. The seven towers are now each faced with a different type of stone from around Fenrain. Basalt, sandstone, granite, limestone, marble, travertine, and quartzite. The seven stones represent the breadth and width of the country of Gildland and the many resources it contains. The Old City is one of the longest occupied places in all of Fenrain. Built on top of a massive mound, the Old City houses many of Gilder's important government buildings, along with some esteemed institutions. At the center of the Old City is the Royal Palace. Few are allowed beyond the palace walls, and those who are only see a few rooms and are sworn to secrecy. But people talk and those who do speak of vast gardens, innumerable servants, extravagant balls and feasts, and a mysterious cadre of scarlet-clad magicians standing in corners or whispering in the prince's ear. The palace covers five square miles in the center of Gilder, and it would take days to explore its thousands of rooms. Among the old city's important establishments is the Braun Palace Academy. Founded in the year 504 ADW by Ivan Braun and Tristan Pellis, the Braun Pellis Academy is one of the preeminent ghost hunting institutions in Gilbland. Their partnership with the Fellowship of the Seven Rivers sets them apart from most of the other ghost hunting schools across Fenrain. Fellowship scholars share the latest spectral studies and supernatural information with the Academy, and the school receives funding from the government to train specialist squads of ghost hunters who are allowed to work independently across the country. Many of these specialist squads go on to contract with the Fellowship or the Royal Guard. Others find themselves on personal retainer for wealthy landowners and developers. The Braun Palace Academy is home to the Repository for Troublesome Spirits, unofficially known as the Ossuary. This massive library of the dead contains hundreds of dead things too powerful 
scientifically important, or dangerous to dispose of. Things that go into the repository for troublesome spirits don't tend to come out. Outside the old city, Gilder is crisscrossed by numerous canals and rivers which neatly separate the city into districts. These canals have been home to the Woder since before Gilder was even Gilder. Dozens of communities have built up around the city over the centuries, and people from across the continent come to start their lives within its boundaries. The Brewers District is known for their experimental takes on beers, meads, and distilled alcohol, in addition to all varieties of alchemical arts. The Stoneworks serve the Iron Tower. The Iron Bastion serves as a central hub to the north of the Stoneworks that acts as the home base for the Fellowship in the southwest corner of Guildland. From there, they ship out the stone via road and water to towers all over the country. In the center of the stoneworks, the local paladin masons teach their craft to initiates and builders before sending them off as well to maintain and build new towers across the country. Bantamburg lies on the south side of town. Years ago, a pair of Helblings started their tavern, the Salted Grave, at a crossroads on the outskirts of town. Since then, those of below average height have flocked to the area, bringing their own businesses, services, and trade. Bantamburg is welcoming to all, but you've got to be a certain height to fit in the buildings. Like any big city, Gilder has its underworld. Smugglers use the canals to move illicit goods like grave dirt, haunted relics, and magical protections not approved by the Fellowship. They say there's a place called the Silver Spriggan somewhere in Bantamburg where you can go to find so-called acquisition experts who can get you anything you need from all manner of secure places, including Fellowship Towers. Brightport started on an island known in the old language as Drah Samu. Like the hump of some massive sea beast, the island is almost perfectly round and connected to the mainland by a natural bridge that appears and disappears with the tide. The steep dome of Drah Samu wouldn't normally be ideal for building a town, but that didn't stop the founders of Brightport from trying. Atop the highest point of the island stands the citadel of Brightport. This small fortress was the first permanent settlement on the island and one of the first things built after the Serpentine Course, the road that winds around the city like the spiral of a snail's shell. In the center of the citadel stands the lighthouse, where the Senate meets for matters of government. The hills of Brightport are steep. To combat the slope, levels have been built out from the hill, and these days it takes an almost pyramidal shape. Like Greenfield and Guildland, Brightport is built on multiple tiers. The lowest tier is still meters above the water. Platforms and scaffolding jut from the edges of each tier like docks in the sky. Ladders and ramps connect tiers and the serpentine course runs through them all. The course winds all the way from the citadel down to the terminus gap, that space between the mainland and Brightport. Across the gap, there now spans a massive bridge unaffected by the tides. Four carts could cross the bridge to Brightport at once, and more often than not, Traders set up on the edges of the bridge to catch people finishing or just starting their journeys and sell them all sorts of stuff that they don't need. Markets pop up nearly every day in Brightport. Traders and fishers come into port ready to sell fruits, vegetables, spices, and expensive merchandise from far and wide. On the north side of the city, in the neighborhood of Whitefish, wealthy merchants set up shop in the depots and rialtos. But Brightport's not limited to ships on the sea. On the highest tiers, the city has dock space for airships of all sort, and frequently gets visiting vessels from Hearth and Highreach. The waters around Brightport are shallow, 
and the only deep channel leads directly to Whitefish. While most of the merchant ships and those coming from the city of Brightwater in the north come into Whitefish, the fishers, whose smaller boats can sail in the shallow waters, come into Brightport on the south, into York Alley. York Alley is a little more rough and tumble, catering to people looking for adventure on the high seas. Bars and taverns like the Tusky Walrus see the starts of many journeys out into the open water. Though the Republic Aegis, the guards of Brightport, try to keep crime down, York Alley has historically been a stop for pirates and corsairs. The Tyne, an archipelago to the west of Brightport, has long been a hotspot for high seas crime. The Republic Navy has increased their patrols and the number of boats on the water in recent years, but the ocean is big and pirates are tricky. Hearth is run by the artisans who call it home. Hearth is built into the caldera of a dormant volcano deep in the western Spine Mountains. Platforms jut from the sides of the insides and outsides of the volcano, upon which homes, workshops, and storefronts are built. Under the ground, tunnels, laboratories, and foundries use the natural lava tubes, heated earth, and geothermal energy to perform experiments and craft machines and other great works. The city is divided into sectors, also known as eighths, by the artisans who call these sectors home. The eighths belong to the glassmakers, machinists, printmakers, smiths, stone carvers, carpenters, architects, and engineers. Once monthly, the heads of each craft gather for a council, setting prices, discussing trade, and the future of Hearth. Hearth's artisans have numerous apprenticeship programs. Uh, though these programs are typically for the youth of their city, many young craftspeople come from abroad to study with the skilled makers of Hearth. After the completion of their apprenticeship, some craftspeople become Hearth accredited, which can mean great things for their career. Many stay and work in the workshops of Hearth, but others are scouted by rival workshops across Fenrain. Hearth is the central hub for all of Fenrain's rail lines. Incline rail lines run up and down the inside and outside of Hearth from the bottom of the crater to the foothills of the spine, and deep below the earth, the cradle of Hearth acts as the nerve center for all rail activity in Fenrain. Dozens of tracks almost always have trains waiting to load and unload their freight into large storehouses beneath the mountains. While the interior of the caldera is dedicated to the artisans, the exterior is home to a number of communities, some of whom lived on the volcano centuries before Hearth was founded. On the east side of Hearth, where the rains come seasonally and the peaks are green with vegetation, sits the village of Fullbranch. Fullbranch is an Isian town, undisturbed by the trappings and problems of modern times. The Isian who live there maintain a self-sufficient lifestyle despite their proximity to civilization. They grow and forage spicebush, hognut, and groundnut, violets and sweet potatoes, and hunt in the surrounding peaks and valleys. The Isian of Fullbranch love their way of life. The spine's rugged terrain means that they have few visitors, but those who do make the trek are met with open doors, but hesitant glances. Soon after Hearth was founded, about 400 years ago, the Isian of Fullbranch welcomed a stranger into their village. What looked like a man and spoke like a man turned out to be something else, and their village was only saved from complete destruction by a saint from Hearth, a Hylia named Lucifer. The stories, likely exaggerated with time and flourished for excitement, say that Lucifer battled the thing, a powerful maraid, for three days and three nights, nearly falling each night. Lucifer was said to summon powerful spirits of his own who came crashing into the battle like streaks of lightning from the sky. 
Finally, on the third night, Lucifer trapped the Maraid, no longer occupying the body it entered town in, in a stone vessel, and buried it deep in the earth. The western side of Hearth overlooks the hills and mountains to the west and the plains and desert beyond. One district on the western side is a popular tourist destination for people living in the central part of Fenrain, Skaldside. Hearth's volcano is dormant, and has been for centuries, but that doesn't mean there isn't tectonic activity in the area. To the south and west of Hearth, things get pretty hot and steamy underground. Skaldside is home to the salt baths. The salt baths are geothermal powered baths and saunas, and a great place for the people of Fenrain to relax after a long day of fighting the dead. Run by a gregarious dvergar named Alva Ganora, the salt baths occupy a series of tunnels under the ground, some of which disappear from the edge of the map for a few reasons. Some of the tunnels feed into Hearth's underground geothermal power complex. The vents house steamy machinery and fiery furnaces that provide heat and steam power to the city above. Other tunnels are frequented by smugglers and scoundrels. There are more than a few secret warehouses, gambling dens, and hidden lines of transport out from under the city. Yet others twist and turn, remaining unmapped in the domain of the Gemknockers. Their milky eyes stare out from the dark depths, and they rarely leave the damp underreaches of the earth. Long, grasping fingers reach from cracks and crevices, pale flesh and thin, veiny ears too big for their heads. Scrabbling sounds echo from the darkness below. Beware the knocking in the deep. Deep below the Western Spine Mountains lies the first city of High Reach. Its original name is not pronounceable by modern tongues, but it meant Earth Home, and it was home to the Hylia. Earth Home has been lost to time, but its story lives on through the city of High Reach. Earth Home was a society based on equality. All High Reach Hylia are born in the growth chambers below the city. They all come from the same place, and they all go back to the Earth when they die. The ancient people of Earth Home saw this cycle and created a cyclical government where everyone had a chance to make a difference. High Reach is a representative democracy. The country has a president and an assembly of representatives from across the country. These representatives meet in the colleges of High Reach, rotating their location each time. Every citizen of High Reach serves on either the assembly or a smaller local council at some point in their lives. Terms for representatives last only one year. High Reach as we know it today is a place of learning and knowledge. Many disciplines call the city home, from astronomy to biology, metallurgy, chemistry, and physics. There are a number of colleges scattered throughout the city, many of which have overlapping disciplines. These colleges are places where scholars can learn, but also teach, broaden horizons, collaborate, debate, and experiment. These colleges don't dispense grades or degrees. Scholars come from across Fenrain to share knowledge and learn. High Reach might seem like the height of civilization, but the people of High Reach absolutely lose it over local sports. Recently, the Assembly has felt it necessary to pass legislation limiting the amount of money individuals are allowed to gamble on each match of Gravacula, or, as it's more popularly known, Specterball. Past Assemblies have gone so far as to try to ban the sport, citing its violent nature, incidents involving spectator injury, in addition to the gambling, as reasoning. Specterball is said to originate in Nordia, and was brought to High Reach a few hundred years ago by adjunct alchemists. 
The sport quickly caught on and most households have a ball or some specter sticks somewhere in their home. The green spaces in High Reach, of which there are many, are often filled with picnickers, painters, and the shouts of amateur specter ball teams playing as they race along the green, trying to score against the other team. When the children of High Reach reach a certain age, it's time for them to go on their wending. Teenagers leave home for the first time on a journey across Fenrain to sample the arts, cultures, and knowledge of Gilder, Hearth, Brightport, and beyond. Groups of Hylia and other young people leave on their wendings together, many taking up a pursuit like painting. The wending is a journey of learning both about the world and about themselves. Many young people on this journey will realize their calling. Be it as a scholar in High Reach, an apprentice in Hearth, or even a fellow of the Seven Rivers. I hope you enjoyed this short journey into the world of Fenrain. We'll see you next time for more about the world and the people in it. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet at us at Coruscant Night, or join our Discord to let us know. If you're interested in our world, be sure to check out the Other Place podcast. Each season, we follow a new group of adventurers as they journey across Fenrain, uncovering mysteries and trying to save the world from the encroaching darkness. You can find The Other Place wherever you get your podcasts. And we're well into our first story now in Tales from the Grey Library. Jonathan Quincy Applegate's magical lantern has been lost or stolen, and now nothing is keeping the ghosts at bay. Ivo and Lila, two adventurers fighting for fame, fortune, and family, investigate, uncovering a vast conspiracy that has secretly plagued the city of Greenfield for generations. You can find Tales from the Grey Library wherever you get your podcasts. The Fenrain Files is a production of Nightcast Creative. To learn more about us and the podcasts we make, visit nightcastcreative.com.